0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Alberta Roundup. I'm your host, Rachel Emanuel. For this week's interview, we are joined live with prominent Alberta lawyer, Jeffrey Rath. Rath is the lead counsel on a proposed lawsuit that seeks financial redress for Calgary businesses that were forced to close during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mr. Rath, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So I know that this proposed lawsuit stems from the recent Ingram decision in which the Calgary's Court of Kings bench determined that some of the public health orders were illegal and you saw an opportunity there to maybe get some redress for some of the businesses that were forced to close. Can you explain how the Ingram decision opened up the possibility for this class action lawsuit?
1: Yeah, and first of all, this isn't a proposed lawsuit, it actually is a lawsuit on behalf of Rebecca Ingram and Christopher Scott. What we're seeking is certification to have the action certified uh, as a class action on behalf of every other business or person in Alberta that was economically harmed as a result of all of the orders of Jason Kenney and Dina Hinshaw that the Alberta Court of King's Bench uh, found to be ultra vires or illegal um, uh, under the public health act. So, um, the process, you know, moving forward is, you know, there is a lawsuit on behalf of Ms. Ingram and Mr. Scott, but we've applied to the court for certification of the class action. Uh, and the hearing of that certification motion is currently scheduled to take place, uh, in the first week of October of this year.
0: So when we're talking about a class action lawsuit, how does that work? Do people have to apply to be part of it? Do you automatically just represent all Alberta businesses that would fall under the category?
1: Uh, the way it works in Alberta is that uh, if people don't want to be part of it, they would opt out by contacting our office. That being said, if people go to wrathandcompany.com, and again, that's wrathandcompany.com and tap on the business class action tab, um, you'll see that we've, uh, you know, have set out all the pleadings. We've set out the background of the lawsuit. And what we're asking people to do is to fill out a form with all of their information. Um, because one of the things that we're trying to do is to get a handle on the scope of the losses that people have suffered um, in this province. We suspect that it's in the, you know, that it's in the high billions of dollars, you know, in, the, you know, in, in excess of $10 billion. Um, just looking at some of the numbers that we've been seeing and extrapolating from there. Some businesses, you know, their losses are as, you know, as little as, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. But certainly, you know, medium-sized small businesses, restaurant chains and others. You know have losses uh, you know in the tens of millions of dollars you know as a result of all of those illegal um uh COVID orders and you know the government of alberta unlawfully and thoughtlessly uh destroying businesses in this province
0: so when you talk about you know you're still sort of in that information gathering portion you're still looking to hear from businesses to see how they were impacted do you have any idea what sort of monetary amount you would be seeking Well, I mean,
1: every business is going to be compensated on the basis of what their losses were. You know, as I've indicated, you know, some businesses that can quickly quantify their losses, you know, like small, uh, you know, beauty salons, physiotherapy offices, dental offices, et cetera. They can say, oh, okay, I was shut down for six weeks. Um, You know, our, you know, our revenue leading up to that was approximately, you know, X number of dollars per week you know, multiplied by, you know, however many weeks, you know, we were that, you know, we were shut down, you know, our losses are, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, right? On the other hand, you know, as I've indicated, you know, restaurant chains, you know, people that had groups of restaurants, the losses could be in the, you know, in the tens of millions of dollars. And certainly there are restaurant groups and restaurants in this province that were completely bankrupted, you know, as a result, you know, of these thoughtless and illegal orders. And, you know, what are the costs of, you know, making those people whole for having their families, you know, lives and livelihoods completely destroyed, uh, you know, by somebody, you know, so, somebody who was so incompetent that she didn't even know the scope of her authority under the statute that she was acting under. When and we're talking I'm referring specifically to Dina Hinshaw.
0: Sure. Yeah, definitely. One of the civil servants, I think we were just chatting about this on the phone the other day, just the amount of money that she herself collected from Canadian and Alberta, specifically taxpayers, I think to the tune of well over half a million dollars. And then when we look at some of the impact of businesses, it is certainly concerning. I think a lot of people are really excited about this lawsuit. Is there a burden of proof on the businesses to prove how much they lost during the period that they were forced to close? Well,
1: obviously there's gonna be a requirement for the businesses to prove, you know, their losses. But one of the great things about this lawsuit is that liability really isn't an issue, you know, thanks to the Ingram decision in the Court of King's Bench. The orders were, you know, by declaration of the Court of King's Bench were all illegal. You know, we had this process where uh, by you know Dina Hinshaw claiming to be everyone's doctor and claiming to act as the chief medical officer of health would go into cabinet and basically take medical advice from a Divinity School dropout, specifically Jason Kenny, with regard to public health orders in the province of Alberta, without any thought to the harm that was going to be done by these orders. You know, the other issue that I'd like people to consider with regard to this lawsuit, because I know there's people out there that say, oh, well, this, you're suing the Alberta government, so it's our tax dollars, uh, you know, that are gonna have to pay for this. You know, people that are concerned about that, you know, I'd like to ask them to consider you know whether they think would be appropriate if you know a, a government employee driving drunk or to run over one of their parents and the taxpayers were on the hook for that you know whether or not um you know whether or not the government should pay you know clearly you know everything that happened in this case was a, as a result of government malfeasance government negligence you know i would say gross negligence in terms of the way all of this rolled out um you know so you know that needs to be kept in mind you know by everybody that's looking at this and we're obviously hoping that citizens in alberta you know will look at the fairness of this situation and say uh you know that uh, you know on what model you know like let's even assume which you know I, I think is wrong but let's assume for a minute that locking down the businesses of healthy people preventing them from providing services you know to other healthy people you know made any sense whatsoever and let's assume that it was a bona fide good for the public at large, and that what was done was actually for the public good, on what theory should the public benefit at the expense of a small class of Alberta citizens, right? I mean, we've got people that, you know, have literally, you know, have have had a huge fiscal hole put in the middle of their businesses. They had to take on partners they never wanted. Businesses that were otherwise debt-free are not in hawk to the tune of millions of dollars to banks that they've had to borrow money from to keep their businesses whole and moving forward and you know of course you know which you know because so much of the equity in their businesses were destroyed by these foolish orders promulgated by jason kenny and uh and dina hinshaw so you know our question is on, on what theory should the government escape liability for this
0: so lead plaintiffs on the case i know one of them is chris scott can you explain a little bit about who they are
1: Sure. Rebecca Ingram, of course, was uh, a gym owner that brought forward the, uh, you know, the Ingram decision. And in that case, uh, that case was actually necessary to provide the foundation to this class action, because there's a section of the Public Health Act that says that the government's immune from suit for any actions taken under the uh, Public Health Act. So it was very important to us, you know, from a legal perspective, that we won the judgment from the court of King's bench saying that all of the orders of Dina Hinshaw were ultra vires, the public health act and illegal. So from our, our analysis and the work that we did in our office, it wasn't enough to have the court to say that the orders violated the charter. What we really needed was the order saying that the, uh, you know, saying that Dina Hinshaw's public health orders were outside of the scope of the public health act. Because as a result, neither Dina Hinshaw or the government of Alberta now enjoy any protection whatsoever from lawsuit because these orders were not issued under the Public Health Act because they were ultra virus, right? So that's the that's the first point. Um, and that was the case that Rebecca brought forward when her gym was improperly shut down by, by Dina Hinshaw. And of course, Rebecca's gym was well run, it was an extremely large facility. So you know, even if you believed in all the social distancing nonsense that they were promulgating and telling people that, you know, if you went to Walmart or um, a Costco, you weren't going to get COVID. But if you went to a mom and pop on the corner, you're going to get COVID. Or if you simply followed the arrows on the floor of the co-op, you weren't going to get COVID, if you remember that foolishness. Um,
0: Unfortunately, I do. Unfortunately. You know, all of,
1: all of those silly orders that were issued, right? Um, uh, you know, so... You know, Re- Rebecca, you know, was running an extremely, you know, well-managed, clean facility. There's no documented cases of COVID at her facility whatsoever, yet she was being shut down and she was forced to sell her business at a, at a loss. Chris, Chris Scott, um, you know, was correctly protesting the fact, you know, that these orders were illegal. As it turns out, he was right, yet Chris Scott was taken away in handcuffs and thrown in jail, and his business was padlocked, and, and uh, he was prevented from uh, um, running a business and taking, feeding his family, uh, you know, as a result of these illegal orders. So, of course, Chris is suing, you know, for the business losses that accrued, you know, as a result of these illegal orders, and we'll also be seeking damages on, uh, you know, on Chris's behalf, uh, you know, for the manner in, in which he was treated, which was completely egregious.
0: When we talk about the illegal orders specifically right now we're looking at financial redress for businesses but have you given any thought to other potential lawsuits that could stem from the ingram decision
1: well i mean as far as it goes we're looking you know you know the the class uh of applicants under ingram would include any individual that suffered economic losses as a result of the illegal orders um you know in you know in the coming days we're going to be issuing another press release and announcing a major class action lawsuit with regard to vaccine injuries in the province of Alberta, because let's not forget that, you know, let's not forget that the the injuries as a result of, uh, you know, Dr. Hinshaw's negligence wasn't limited to the illegal orders that she issued. Uh, Like, remember, Dina Hinshaw, you know, telling people that, you know, if they had the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, you know, and after that was discontinued because it was hurting people and injuring people and causing heart disease and other problems. She was, she was standing up in public saying, Oh, well, it doesn't matter that, you know, you've already taken a drug that may have hurt your health. You should go out and take whatever other shots available. Take Pfizer, take Moderna. It's all good. Take my vaccine buffet. That's what I've been doing. Well, people were horribly injured as a result of Dina Hinshaw's advice that people sign up for her vaccine buffet. And, uh, you know, so we're representing, we'll be representing individuals that were harmed by that negligent medical advice of uh, Dr. Hinshaw's and her conspiracy to commit assault um, in a civil sense, not a criminal sense, but a conspiracy to commit civil assault by, you know, acting in lockstep with Theresa Tam and other representatives of uh, the government of Canada, repeatedly telling people that the vaccines were safe and effective while they were simultaneously hiding information uh, from the public about vaccine injuries and how dangerous these vaccines actually were um you know for people i mean it was certainly well known from the pfizer data itself that if you were a child under the age of 18 you're far more likely to be harmed by the vaccines than you were to be harmed by covid itself there's i you know i, re- I referred to it repeatedly in correspondence with the prime minister and Dina hinshaw and uh, uh, teresa Tab. it was table 14 of the Pfizer uh, EUA application of the United States, where Pfizer itself submitted documents to the American government that indicated that um, for children under the age of 18, they would notionally save one life per million um, uh, of of children under the age of 18 if they got the Pfizer COVID vaccine from dying from COVID, but they were gonna put 34 children into the um, uh, intensive care unit with intense myocarditis if they took the vaccine. And of course, all of that information was suppressed by Dina Hinshaw, was suppressed by Theresa Tan, was suppressed by the Trudeau government because they didn't want people to really know what the risks were associated with these vaccines. So in effect, what they were doing was conspiring to prevent people from obtaining uh, you know, full informed consent with regard to the shot. So we say from a legal perspective, you know, beyond negligence, breach of fiduciary duty, public duty, et cetera, all of them, including Dina Hinshaw in a civil sense, were conspiring to commit assault and battery on every citizen in Canada by conspiring to hide information with regard to vaccine safety uh, from the Canadian public. Um, You know, another another good example of this is the fact that the Minister of Health has the authority, notwithstanding confidentiality provisions in the vaccine supply contracts, to release those contracts to the public if they contained information that would be germane to the public and making a decision as to whether to take the vaccines or not. Well, a liberal MP by the name of Housefather in the um, uh, in committee uh, in Ottawa uh, stated publicly that the reason that they can't release these contracts is because the vaccine companies themselves don't warrant the vaccines for safety um, and that the vaccines themselves didn't undergo adequate um, safety uh Uh, long-term safety um, uh, studies and that the government was, you know, forced to, you know, put the vaccines out under those circumstances, even though the vaccines weren't warranted for safety and the government had to indemnify the vaccine companies from any lawsuits arising from unsafe vaccines being put on the market. Obviously, all of those facts, if they'd been made available to the Canadian public, uh, you know, would have mitigated towards a large number of Canadians not having their children vaccinated or not agreeing to take part in this huge medical experiment that has injured literally tens of thousands of Canadians from coast to coast.
0: So, you know, in this instance, we're looking at financial redress from the Alberta government for affected businesses. But when we're talking more about the COVID injury stuff that you've just mentioned, is there any way for. Dina Hinshaw herself to be held accountable for her actions or is she completely protected as a employee of Alberta at the time?
1: Well, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, there's, you know, there's something you're taught in law school, which is you never sue a man of straw or a person that that doesn't have any means. The problem is that the the first successful lawsuit against Dina Hinshaw would bankrupt her at at a personal level. So, you know, suing Dina Hinshaw, unfortunately, doesn't accomplish anything. You know, what we're hoping is that uh, is that Danielle Smith will live up to the promises that she made when she was running uh, to be premier of the province of Alberta and, uh, you know, and to take measures to ensure that this doesn't happen again. And I certainly think that, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that should be considered by the Alberta government is, you know, is that a criminal investigation be undertaken of every member of AHS and the College of Physicians and Surgeons and others who were involved in uh, you know, conspiring to hide information from the public with regard to the safety of these vaccines, you know, because clearly, um, uh, you know, clearly uh, the, the degree to which uh, all of these people engaged in propaganda, uh, you know, with their safe and effective campaigns, take the first available vaccine campaigns, uh, you know, trying, you know, Dina Hinshaw standing up in public and, and literally um Uh, providing false information with regard to children who allegedly died from the vaccines when they actually were dying from, you know, severe pediatric um, uh, deformations and conditions or alternatively, you know, fourth stage cancers, uh, you know, needs to be looked at from the standpoint of whether it's criminal sanctions or sanctions by the College of Physicians and Surgeons, you know, were the College of Physicians and Surgeons to actually ever take action against anyone that was involved, you know, in this severe breach of medical ethics, you know, so those are all things that, you know, I think that the premier herself should be pushing and, you know, should be demanding that her attorney general deal with, you know, at the highest level in Alberta, as she promised to do when she was running for the leadership of the uh, Progressive Conservative uh, Party of Alberta, we certainly hope that there's going to be a public inquiry that all of these things aren't simply going to be swept under the rug, as so many of the bureaucrats you know who are responsible for all of this hope to happen and that are all pushing behind the scenes to have the government you know continue to engage you know in you know in an ongoing cover-up with regard to you know everything that uh, went, went on during you know the you know during the uh, the phony public health management crisis that we went through in 19 or in uh, 2020 2021 and 2022.
0: Just my last question here before I let you go. So when you're talking about criminal sanctions, would you like Dina Hinshaw to face jail time for her actions, forcing the vaccine on people during the pandemic? You know, I don't
1: think that's for me to determine. I think that there needs to be a proper investigation of all of this by the Attorney General of Alberta with a view towards determining whether culpability, you know, should fall or not. You know, certainly we say from a civil standpoint that uh, Dina Hinshaw uh, should be, you know, and the government of Alberta should be held civilly liable uh, for the fact that Dina Hinshaw was grossly incompetent, didn't understand the limits of her authority under the Public Health Act, and issued, uh, you know, literally, you know, uh, you know, in excess of a hundred orders that destroyed businesses on this province that completely exceeded her authority under the Public Health Act. So, you know, that's where that's where we're focused right now. But I certainly hope that uh, Premier Smith understands that. Uh, You know, that this isn't, uh, you know, that, you know, that she she shouldn't be listening to the bureaucrats that surround her and simply continue to sweep this under the carpet uh, because the people that elected her uh, demand, uh, you know, demand justice and demand a full, uh, you know, a full public inquiry into what went on.
0: Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. I know my viewers will really appreciate your insight and all the information about the lawsuit you're working on. We will certainly be following that story with interest in the coming months. And to the rest of my viewers, we will be back with our regular programming on Saturday. You won't want to miss this week's episode as always. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys in a couple days. God bless.